0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Faith Community Church. We're so glad that you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about our church, you can check us out at woodstockfcc.com. That's woodstockfccfaithcommunitychurch.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's podcast. Good morning once again. It always amazes me that when the kids go downstairs, it all of a sudden feels very empty here, and I say this again, that's a good problem. That's a great thing to have, that it feels a little empty in here now. Uh, Of course, some of the parents are going to make their way back up, but uh, it's an exciting thing that we have so many kids that when they head down to their Sunday school downstairs that it feels a little empty in here. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I do want to welcome you again uh, to Faith Community Church. We're getting back into now after a a two-week hiatus, our emphasis, our focus, this season uh, of particular intentionality of talking about and hopefully living out, abiding in Jesus. Uh, of course, we started this series uh, two weeks ago, and then I had a planned vacation, which a lot of you know didn't happen. Uh, we got sick in our household, so we uh, had a not-so-relaxing week, even though that was, what was planned, but sometimes that's how life goes. And then Of course, last week we took to make sure we were fully recovered before being back. So we had a two-week hiatus from this focus on abiding in Jesus, but we're getting back into it this morning. And of course, tied to this focus of abiding in Jesus is not just the sermon series we're doing here, but the life groups that we're launching this week. I, I didn't mention these in the announcement, and that's a mistake. I should have. I should be reminding you of this. But we are launching those life groups this coming week. So starting Wednesday... Uh, October 19th, I think it's the Wednesday. And if I got that wrong, don't worry about the date. Just remember Wednesday. That's the important part. At 7 p.m., we are going to be meeting here at the church for the in-person life group where we are going to do a study called Abide, where we are going to learn and go deeper into this conversation that we're having on Sunday mornings. I, I explained it kind of like this on Sunday mornings we're talking a lot about the what. What happens as I abide in Jesus? And we're going to keep exploring that over the next few weeks. But in our life groups, while there's going to be some more what, what happens as I abide, you're going to get a lot of the how. Really practical, hands-on, how do I abide in Jesus? What does that practically look like? What are things I can do to learn to go deeper in my relationship with him? So I really strongly encourage you, if you haven't signed up yet, sign up. We have quite a good number signed up. I'm excited by that. Beginning Wednesdays here in person at the church, 7 p.m. Or if you would rather or can't make Wednesdays, on Thursdays, starting this coming Thursday, which should be the 20th, we'll be meeting online for that same life group. So I encourage you, sign up, sign up, sign up. You can sign up at woodstockfcc.com, or if you just can't figure it out, just Talk to me after service or reach out to me during the week. I'll make sure we know you're coming. We do need to know so we can get the materials prepared ahead of time, but I encourage you, sign up. And so we're going to explore in here and also in that life group a bit more uh, what Jesus talks about in John 15, which is all about remaining in him, abiding in him. Him. Jesus gives this great metaphor of the vine and the branches to help us understand what it means to abide in him. And we began this series, I think, going back four or five weeks now. Uh, and we looked through all of John 15. We read most of that whole chapter. But we focused in on a verse near the end of it, in verse 11, where Jesus tells us the why. We started with the why. Why should I abide in Jesus? And Jesus says it this way in John 15:11. He says, I have said these things to you, why? So that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Why abide in Jesus? Because as we abide in Jesus, and as he abides in us, that's what he says in John 5, 15, 5, but as we abide in Jesus, as we remain connected to him, his joy we will experience. We will experience his joy, and it says our joy, because we are experiencing the joy of Jesus, will be Complete. Other translations say we'll be overflowing. I like that a little better. We will experience his joy. And because we are experiencing the joy of Christ, our joy will be overflowing. So that's where we started. I'm doing a little recap because I've been away for a while. We started kind of at the end with the Why? But then after that, we went all the way back to where we should begin at the beginning, and we started to look at what Jesus called in verse 11, these things, right? In verse 11, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you can experience my joy. Well, what are these things? Well, that's what we went back and started to look at. And we started in verse 1 where Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. And from this one verse, we, we have looked at so far two major aspects of what it means to abide in Jesus. I'm just going to take a sip of water here so I don't cough everywhere. We're going to do our best this morning. This is the longest I've had to talk since I was sick. And while I'm better, sometimes a cough does sneak out here and there. And so you have to bear with me as we tra- traverse this ground. But <laughs> see. <coughs> Excuse me. So from verse 1, we looked at two aspects of what it means to abide in Christ. First, we looked at what I called back in that service, what we, we collectively were calling Viticulture 101. Viticulture is just this art of vine growing, and I felt really fancy saying it, so I wanted to say it again, so you are impressed by me. Is someone impressed? Shake your head so I know. Okay, okay thank you, yeah. Thank you for being impressed. But we looked at Viticulture. We called it Viticulture 101. If there was such a course, the, the, the thing that would be written on the blackboard when you walked into the class, I suppose kids probably aren't looking at blackboards anymore. It's probably a projector screen or a smart screen. But if you walked into a Viticulture 101 class, you would see this on the screen on the first day. The principle, it says, source determines substance. Source determines substance, which means what you are connected to will ultimately influence the type of fruit you bear. So if you want to bear Christ-like fruit, the substance of your life that you are desiring is to, to bear fruit that looks like Jesus, then you have to be connected to Jesus as the source. Why? Because source determines substance. Jesus is the true vine, he says. He is the source of life itself. So if we want to bear fruit that resembles the, the, the attitude, character, and mission of Jesus... You have to be connected to him. You have to remain in him. You have to abide. So that's what we began looking at. The second thing we looked at from verse 1 was this concept of, well, Jesus is the vine, the source of our nourishment that we need to bear price like fruit. God is the gardener. And as the good gardener, he cares for us. His mercy and his goodness will follow us all the days of our life. That's where we've been That's what we've covered so far. You're caught up if you missed those last sermons. You don't have to go back and watch them now, or you can if you want. That's the beauty of technology. But that's where we've been. I want to tell you where we're going today. We're going to push a little further ahead in this passage of John 15, and we're going to look at verse 2. In verse 2, of course, Jesus is continuing this metaphor, and and this is what it says. So verse 2, it says, he, that's God, it says, he, God the gardener removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Let me pray for our service this morning. So Heavenly Father, we take a moment to slow down yet again and just be here, to be in your presence. It's all about you, that's why we're here. So Lord, we just pray that we would have ears to hear you this morning. We pray, as Samuel was taught by Eli to pray, to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Would you speak to us through this service? Would you take everything that is done, the scriptures that are read, the sermon, the music, even the noise of the children downstairs, would all of it be received uh, as, a, as a, a beautiful noise to you today? And we just pray That your will ultimately would be done here. That anything I've planned that's not of you, you would get rid of it. Just cut it out. And anything that you want me to say that's not in my notes, I pray that you give me the courage to follow your prompting and leadings through this service. And we do pray, Holy Spirit, then, that you would intercede between everything that is said and heard. So that each person who is here, who is listening, who is watching online, each person who hears the service would leave, not thinking they've heard some fancy words from Russell, but they would know with confidence that they have heard from you. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, truthfully, verse 2 here is a little bit more difficult of a verse to talk about than a lot of the other verses in John 15. I love John 15. We've talked about this a lot. This is a a verse that's traveled with me in important parts of our lives. It was the verse that I used as my my final university paper. I had to write, I I forget how big it is. It's like 20 pages. It's really dry and boring. I don't recommend reading it. Uh, You will probably, unless you need to go to sleep, but I I spent an entire semester, so four months doing nothing but work through the Greek text of John 15. I steeped in it. I love this passage. This is the verse that Bethany and I chose to be used at our wedding when we were doing the ceremony, this is the homily that was used, this is an important verse to me, to my wife, and I've traveled with it far, and I love John 15 because there's so much in it that's so exciting to talk about, about what it means to remain or abide in Jesus. But verse 2 is not one of those exciting verses necessarily. It's easy to talk about that joy of abiding in Christ, it's easy to talk about the good things that happen as you abide in Christ. It's easy to talk about the joy that Christ wants to give you as you remain in him and he remains in you. The joy that makes you have an overflowing joy so you spread it with others. But it's much more difficult to talk about what it talks about here in verse 2. It's much more difficult to talk about how some branches are going to be cut off and removed. And maybe this goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago. And I remember trying to make this really clear and say it very carefully because what Jesus is saying here and elsewhere in this passage, is that we need to be more than faithful. I wanted to make this very careful and clear, but Jesus is saying here, and I know this ruffles some feathers, that we need to be more than faithful. Actually, what he says is we need to be fruitful. Don't hear me wrong. Being faithful is incredibly important. You need to be faithful, but we are called to be more than faithful. You can't be fruitful without being faithful first but we need to move beyond just being faithful. We are called to be fruitful. And that's what we see so clearly here in verse two, right? It says every branch that does not bear fruit, every branch, you're, you're, you're there, you're faithful, you're remaining. But if you're not bearing fruit, every branch that does not bear fruit, Is cut off and removed by the gardener. And again, I know this ruffles some feathers. Maybe you're saying, but look at me. I I am being faithful. That's good. That's good enough, right? I'm here. I'm with the rest of the branches. Uh, I'm here every week. I'm consistent. I talk like everyone else. I look like everyone else. I even give my tithe. Isn't that good? Sometimes I even give extra to things like wef. I'm faithful in every way. Don't you see how faithful I am? And listen, I'm going to do my best to say this so carefully because we need to say it, but I want to make sure I'm clear. You can be a faithful branch in appearance and activity, but, and this is the whole point, of course, you won't be fruitful unless you are connected to the source of life, that is Jesus. And here's what we're going to talk about a bit more today. Unless you are connected to Jesus, you won't be fruitful and you need to submit to the process of growth. See, what Jesus is explaining here is that if you are faithful in every possible way, but don't allow him to influence your life as the branch, you will not bear fruit and you will begin to wither. And ultimately, the gardener will cut you off the vine. I'm, I'm trying to say this so carefully and so clearly. You can be faithfully connecting with Jesus and yet still refuse to allow him to help you bear fruit. You can be faithful in your prayer. We spent the last 12 months talking about prayer, right? And I want you to be faithful in prayer. I want you to do it. That was kind of the whole purpose of talking about prayer for 12 months straight, is prayer is so important. You need to be doing it. But we need to understand, you can be faithfully praying every day. You can be faithfully doing your devotions, reading your Bible, and I hope you are but unless you allow these things to influence your life, unless these things are actually creating meaningful engagements with Jesus, you're missing the point of them. In fact, we could say it this way. The, the, the point of everything we're doing, everything we talk about on Sundays, and if I talk about something that's not this point on Sundays, I'm missing the mark too. The point of all of it is about getting to Jesus. Read the Bible. That's what it all is about. It's all about getting to Jesus. It's all about connecting with Jesus. And so we need to understand if Jesus is working to change you and you won't work with him, you're going to be cut off. This is not meant to be doom and gloom. Instead, it's about the importance, I want you to understand, the importance of connecting with Jesus because that's what it is all about. If you pray every day but don't connect with Jesus through your prayer, if it's just an activity that you do because you know you're supposed to do it, you're missing the point. And he can't work in with you and with you to help you bear more fruit. If you read your Bible every day but it's just words that are passing through your head, even if you memorize those words and they're just sticking in there but it has nothing to do uh, on your heart, there's no heart transformation coming from it. You're not meaningfully engaging with Jesus as you read, you're missing the point. It's all about connecting to Jesus. And if you know that your life is not producing fruit that exhibits a Christ-like character, attitude, or mission of Jesus, the solution is simple, actually, and that's great news. It always goes back to Viticulture 101, which is what? Source determines substance. If you want to bear fruit, then you need to get connected to the source. You need to get connected to Jesus, which is more than just being faithful in activity. It's actually submitting to the process. We're going to talk about that and meaningfully engaging and connecting with him. And if you're saying, this all sounds great, but I don't know how to do it, sign up for a life group. We're going to go deeper into the how there. But you can do things, these faithful activities, like prayer and read your Bibles, but you need to step back once in a while and say, Jesus, how are you using this speak to me? Kind of like our take two at the end of service. And how do you want me to live different because of what you are saying to me as I meet you in prayer, as I meet you in your word? Source determines substance. If you want to bear Christ-like fruit, if you want to have a Christ-like attitude, a Christ-like character, and a Christ-like mission in the world, you got to get connected to Jesus. That's what it's all about. You need to get connected to Jesus, and you need to submit to his process of growth. And if you do, I know you'll begin to see Christ-like fruit in your life. But here's the next part. We like to conveniently forget this part. As you do begin to see fruit in your life, and I hope you do, that's an encouraging thing. You need to pay special attention to what the second half of verse 2 says. So verse 2 begins this way, right? This is what we just talked about. It says, He removes, that's God the gardener, He removes every branch in you that bears no fruit. That's what we just talked about. If you're not bearing fruit, that's the evidence that you're not actually connected with Jesus to the source. You're not abiding in Him. But the second half of the verse talks to those that are bearing fruit. And maybe you're bearing some fruit in your life and you're saying, See, I'm doing good. That's good enough. we say things like that. But here's what it says. Second half of the verse says, If you're abiding in Jesus, you're bearing fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he, the gardener God, prunes to make it bear more fruit. We conveniently like to forget that verse. Now, I've been quite open as we've been talking about vine growing and gardening through this series that I am not much of a gardener. I do not have a green thumb, although one day I do. I shared this. I want to have my own little vegetable garden because I have this crazy idea that if I grow them myself, I'll eat them. But we'll see what happens there. But I'm not much of a gardener, but from what I've read and what I understand, the idea is pretty simple. If you are growing something and your plant has bad fruit or if your plant has dead branches that are attached – Or if your plant has too much leaves or greenery or foliage, it will actually reduce the amount of good fruit the plant can bear. And this happens because the energy of the plant is being wasted on all of these other things instead of being used to produce more fruit. And that's really significant. And you know, from an outsider's perspective, from someone like me who doesn't garden, watching a skilled gardener go in and prune a plant can sometimes look horrific. It can. My, my, my parents, this is a good example. My parents um, are about as skilled at gardening as I am. And I love you, Mom and Dad, but it's probably true. Okay, maybe a little more. Maybe they have a little bit more skill, but that's not saying a whole lot. And when they moved to this house that they live in now, when they first moved there, they have this tree in the front yard, uh, I'm pretty sure it's called an umbrella tree, it's not huge, but it goes up like this, the canopy, and then it falls down. And this tree grows, it grows a lot, and over time the branches reached the ground and started snaking around in the ground. And once in a while my parents would go in and kind of chop those branches back off the ground, but they don't really know what they're doing, they're about as skilled at gardening as I am and this probably caused a lot of pain to their neighbor. My, their neighbor is this lovely lady who has more garden than lawn, kind of person, you know those kind of people. The whole backyard is fruits and vegetables, like pretty much the entire thing. They got the greenhouse set up and everything for winter. And the whole front yard is flowers. This is a person who lives for garden. She knows what she's doing. And so, probably after a couple of years of watching my parents do a horrible job at caring for this tree, she came over and said, "Can I prune this tree for you?" and My parents graciously, of course, said, yes, please, please. And uh, while she was pruning this tree back, it was a pretty horrific thing to watch because you look at this tree, it's beautiful, it's got these green leaves everywhere, and she pretty much took everything off. She pruned it back to almost nothing. It looked naked from what it did before. Now, to me, not a gardener, the tree looked a lot better before. It had leaves, it was green, it looked healthy. But for the tree to actually be healthy and to to bear the fruit it has to bear, it required the work of a skilled gardener to go in and to prune it. And from the new upkeep, of course, with our lovely gardener neighbor there, the tree does better than ever. And the point here has two really important implications. First, you might see a plant that looks really healthy. Tons of green, lots of leaves. It's huge, you say. It's growing. We, we could say in every way this plant is faithful. But if it isn't producing any fruit, it's not fulfilling its purpose. And so we are reminded that we need to be more than faithful. We also need to be fruitful. We can look good on the outside. We can be busy. We can say the right things. But if we aren't bearing Christ-like fruit in our lives, we aren't fulfilling our purpose. The second implication is this, we need to understand that a skilled gardener can bring more potential from the plant than it can do by itself. This is not just anyone going in and snipping away, but the work of a skilled gardener, someone who knows what they are looking at and knows what to do, they can bring more potential from a plant than it can do itself. They can look at a plant and begin pruning away, pruning away things that might seem like good things to people like me. Those nice green leaves, the, the, the people like me say, what are, you, what are you doing? You're killing it. You're making it so much worse. You're cutting away the good stuff. But the skill gardener knows that by pruning away the extra, the things that ultimately don't matter, they are allowing the plant to grow and manifest itself with healthier and more abundant fruit than otherwise would have been possible. And really, this is what the whole metaphor in John 15 is. God, the skilled gardener, wants to come and prune away all that is unnecessary or even harmful from our lives. Why? So that we can come to our full fruition, so that we can reach our full potential, so that we can bear more abundant and healthier fruit. It sounds good, but here's why it's difficult. God loves you so much that he's not going to force it on you, which means you have to allow him to come in and prune back and cut out anything and everything that is harmful or unnecessary so that you can bear more Christ-like fruit in your lives. Which means we're presented with a really difficult question that sounds easy from the outset, but in practicality, it's hard. We're presented with this question. ready? Will you allow God to come and prune your life? Will you allow God to come and prune your life? Will you allow him to come and cut all that is unnecessary or even harmful so that you can be even more fruitful? I know, I hope, your gut response is, yes, of course I want him to do that. But like so many things, the words are easier to say than the actions are to do. We are quick to say we desire change. We are quick to say how we want to be more fruitful, but we rarely want to go through the process. It's easy to say, I want to be more fruitful, but when that means God coming in and pruning away activities from your life, things that you might enjoy doing, Things that are inherently not even bad, but they're taking away from things that are more important. We often get so busy with the good that we miss out on the best. Or maybe there are certain activities that you know are kind of crossing the line. Maybe it's a certain show you like to watch, some songs you like to listen to, and it's just doing nothing good for your life. We're so easy and quick to say, yes, God, I want change. Yes, God, I want to bear the fruit. Yes, come in and prune. But then we're quickly to say, but don't touch this. Not this area. Not this thing. Not yet. And we want to hold on to control of how the process of pruning should look like. And maybe it's because uh, if the process of pruning happened instantaneously, we would be okay with it. But it often doesn't. It's often a process that takes time, and it's often difficult And sometimes it's even painful. We are quick to say we desire change. We are quick to say we want to be fruitful, but rarely do we want to go through the process that leads to it. And because of that, we we end up telling God, okay, we're ready to change, but as long as you do it on our terms. I'll change God as long as you let me dictate how the change happens, the speed that happens, and the areas of my life that it happens in. We want to dictate what we're willing to give up, when to give it up, and how much to give up. We want to be able to say, you know what, God? I made those changes, especially at New Year's we say this, right? I'll make these changes, and you say, hey, that's pretty good. That's good enough. Let's just stay here for a while, and maybe next year we'll review, see how we're doing, and maybe make some more changes. We'll build on that. But for now, let's just stop the entire process of pruning. But here's the truth we need to hear and understand until we are prepared to humble ourselves and admit things that we know are intellectually true, that God that God's ways are higher than our ways, that God is faithful and loving and only has our best interests at hand, until we submit to him and the process of pruning, we will not reach our full potential that God has for us. Years ago, I came across a quotation, and I can't remember where I got it from, so I can't give whoever this very wise person was credit, Um, but we'll throw it out there, and if that's you and you want to get credit for it, by all means, tell me it was you But this quote, it's always stuck with me, and this is what it says. It says, God is concerned to transform us at our deepest level of being. And he often does that through the painful journey of loosening our attachments on what makes life meaningful so that we can find true meaning in him. That's really profound. I, I picture someone holding on so tight to the, the things in life that they think gives them meaning and identity, and they're unwilling to give it up. And it says, God is so concerned to transform us at a deep level of being that he's going to do that through the painful process of loosening and opening our grips of our attachments on the things in our lives that we think give us meaning and are meaningful so that we can try, find true meaning in him. And you know what? Here's the truth. That process sometimes hurts. That process sometimes causes pain, but I always understood it to be like a caring parent who who takes that sliver out of their child's hand. Does that process hurt the kid? It sure does. They'll probably scream. You go in there with the nail clippers. If I get near my kids with nail clippers, they're not too pleased even just for clipping their nails. But the pain is temporary. And the results are worth it. It's good for you. I have a video we're gonna watch this morning. It's been around for a long time, so you might have seen it before. Uh, But it's an excellent illustration of everything we're talking about today. It's done by a group called the Skit Guys. The video is called God's Chisel. It's just a great video. You're going to love this, and I I trust God is going to speak to you from it. In this video, it's all about allowing God to come in and remove anything that is unnecessary or harmful. Why? So that we can be all that God created us to be. Or we can say it another way allowing God to come prune our lives so that we can be more fruitful so we're gonna to watch together and then I'll come back and I'll close our service so we can start that video
1: Ephesians 2:10 says that we are God's workmanship his masterpiece I don't know about you but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror I don't really see a, a masterpiece you know I mean maybe a Picasso it's like <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
2: Hi. Whoa, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what, I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky.
1: Yeah, you're not God.
2: Why do you say that?
1: God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, If you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say?
2: Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting.
1: Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year?
2: I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away.
1: You answered my question with a question.
2: I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up, here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm gonna make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are these about? These are the tools I'm gonna use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up, here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm-hmm
1: but you chisel away, just be prepared.
2: You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me.
1: is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece.
0: Isn't that great? I love that video. Every time I Watch it and see it. God uses it to speak powerfully to me, and I trust and pray that he used it to speak to you. I I find we can be a lot like the guy in the video, Tommy, there. We we can be like he is during that process where we want to tell God, listen, I'm not as bad as I used to be. You've done some good work. I'm not perfect, but sure. Who is? Can we just call it a day? But we need to hear the truth, and they presented it so clearly for us that we are never static in life. We need to hear this truth. We are never standing still. We are either moving closer to Jesus or further away. We are either becoming more like Jesus or or becoming less like him. We are either bearing more fruit or we are becoming a a withering branch. See, we are called to abide in Jesus. And we are given this great promise in John 15, 5, which says, As we abide in Jesus, he will abide in us. And it says, as we abide in Jesus and as he abides in us, it says he will supply us with everything we need to become more like him, to be fruitful. But, and this is the whole point of John 15 too, you have to submit to the process. You have to submit to God the gardener, to know and understand that he cares for you, that his goodness and mercies are going to follow you. And as that happens, he is going to prune you because of the love he has for you. He wants to come in and prune away from your life everything that is not of him, everything is extra or doesn't really matter, and even everything that is harmful. He's going to come in and prune that so that you can bear fruit and bear fruit in abundance and experience the joy of Jesus. It's the act of a loving parent, right? That's what they just talked about at the end, disciplining their kids. It's because they love their kids that they discipline them doesn't make it easy. No, it is still difficult, and it's often still a process. Often the discipline doesn't happen once. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I know the discipline happens more than once for the message and lesson to sink in. The journey can sometimes be painful, but the reward is worth it. Hebrews twelve eleven puts it this way. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. We're going to take a moment here now, and we're going to do our take two. This is something we do at the end of every service, and usually I say uh, something along this lines, we're going to... Uh, do our take two, which is where we give you two minutes to ask God two questions. And the first question is, ask God, what is one thing you're saying to me? And the second question is, what do you want me to do about it? And And we take this time, not just merely as a time of reflecting on the service that was had, but because we believe God speaks and what he says is worth listening to. But today I want to do something a little different. We're still going to take the two minutes. We're still going to ask God some questions, but I want to shift the questions a little to give some more intentionality to them. And it's a much more difficult question, so you need to ask it with great humility and be prepared to listen and submit to the process. So we're going to give you two minutes to ask God still two questions, but the first question you want to ask God is this. Is there something in my life that you want to prune? Maybe we could word it slightly even more focused, God. What in my life do you want to prune? What in my life is extra? What in my life is harmful? What in my life is hindering growth in Christ's likeness? What in my life is not of you? What do you want to prune, God? Take a minute and you ask and then you listen. Don't just fluff things off. We're quick to say, okay, that's not from God. I don't really need to worry about that part of my life. He wouldn't really want to talk about that. Ask God, and then sit in humility and listen for him to respond through his Holy Spirit. And then we always move to the second question, which gets really practical, not just theoretical. It's not just, what does God want to prune? You want to ask him about the process. So you say, God, what do you want to prune in my life? And then you move to the second question. You ask, what do I need to do to help this process? What steps of obedience are you asking me to take to make this a reality in my life? What do I need to do or practice to help this pruning process? So we're gonna give you two minutes to ask God these two questions, then I'll come back and we'll close our service with the benediction. So we'll start that two minutes for you right about now. I pray and trust that God has used this time to speak into your life and uh, really brought to your mind and attention some things that maybe need some adjustments in this difficult process of becoming uh, more like Jesus, as it often means taking away stuff, sometimes even good stuff, so that we can have and experience the best and bear Christ-like fruit uh, when we have an attitude of Christ, the character of Christ, and the mission of Christ. We're gonna benedict here, and I, I've been benedicting a little different than normal the last few weeks. Maybe you remember uh, I was doing uh, some family time devotions with my my three-year-old, and in this app that we use, they have this prayer at the end of every uh, day for their devotion, and I just loved the final prayer, and I thought that would make a good benediction for a service and a good prayer as we head out into the week. So. Uh, why don't you stand with me? It's going to require something of you. I'm going to need you to follow along with some actions. I would love for you to read along with me. We'll have the words up on the screen for you. Uh, and uh, I know it's a little silly to feel sometimes to do these actions, but I think it really helps drive the message of what we are praying home. And I pray that you do make this your prayer as we head out to the week. So we're going to start. We put our hand over our heart. Can you do that? And we're going to pray these words. Let's pray these together. It says Father God. Is it there? Yeah. Father God. Fill us with your love. Help us to love you and everything that you've made. Next, we point to our eyes, and we pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, help us to see you and to see others the way that you see them, too. And last, we point to our ears. We make this our prayer. Holy Spirit, help us to hear you and give us the courage to do what you say. I pray that you take this into your week. You are dismissed. Parents, please don't forget you need to go downstairs and sign your kids out. Uh, Don't head home without them. We are so grateful that you came today and just want to say thanks for joining. Have a great week.